praise from Delilah. Sometimes the most fabulous opportunities come my way. Today is one of those days in a time not so long ago, and yet it seems like forever ago. We had schools, we had travel, we had entertainment venues, they were wide open. We had movies and we had plays. And I had the privilege to attend a showing of Hamilton on Broadway. It was exceptional in every way possible. Many of the performances just absolutely stunned me. They were phenomenal. And one of the characters in particular stood out. Aaron Burr, played by Leslie Odom Jr. Whoa, can that man sing? Can he sing and can he act and can he dance? I guess I wasn't the only one blown away because the performance won him a prestigious Tony Award. And guess what? That man, Leslie Odom Jr., is dropping in to join us right now on Love Someone Today. (laughs) Oh, my heart be still. Leslie is gifting the world with a Christmas album that was released in November, a movie that opens on Christmas Day, and he hosted the CBS special, A Home for the Holidays, to help raise awareness of kids in foster care who need to be adopted. So even though Broadway has been shut down for months, Leslie's been keeping busy and we have a whole lot to talk about right after I spend a little time telling you about another fabulous performer, the folks making this podcast possible. The Home Depot's making holiday shopping that much easier. Shop online with The Home Depot, knowing that the products you buy as gifts can be delivered in just a day or two. Use the Home Depot app, which has been updated and made so easy to navigate and find just the right gift. There's 10,000 tools alone to choose from. All that can be purchased and shipped right from your phone. This year, make the most of your holidays with a little help from the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Even though Broadway has been shut down now since, what, March? March or April, Leslie, you've been keeping busy. We have a lot to talk about. We got Christmas music to talk about. We got movies to talk about. And we got to talk about Hamilton. I mean, we can't not talk about Hamilton because... Can't not. You can't not. not. So I went and saw you in Hamilton. You did. And nobody warned me. I mean, I had heard the rave reviews. I had heard all the, you know, all the good stuff. But I went and saw you in Hamilton shortly after I lost a son. Oh, God. I'm yeah. so sorry. Nobody warned me, Leslie. Yeah, yeah. They had to take me out of the theater. The people I was with had to take me out of the theater because I had a small mental breakdown. Fair. What an intense. I mean, every second of the production is intense. You know, we had one of my favorite nights in the theater, uh, that moment, or for, for those in your audience that don't know, there's a moment, Hamilton lost a, a child, and there was a, at that moment in the second act, my favorite night in the theater, Delilah was not 
the standing ovations and the screaming and hollering that people would do, you know, because Lynn's work, that's what it brings out in people. People have this visceral response and connection to his music. Um, but there was one night where we finished that, that song. It's called Unimaginable. And for the first time in my life, I've done a lot of theater. The audience, 1,400 people didn't applaud. They didn't say anything. They sat there for, I don't know, six, seven seconds. A whole audience of people. It, it was stunning. It was remarkable. It was, it was like the equivalent of, a, of five standing ovations because it is so rare to stun people into silence. But that audience on that night, the way that moment hit them, um, was probably, you know, a lot like it hit you. I remember when Lynn wrote that song. Uh, that's to get all Hamilton. But yeah, yeah, when he wrote that song, I just couldn't believe it. I thought he had broken through to another side of himself as a writer. Um, it's just a, such a What he did moment. was he put into song Yep. what it feels like. The unimaginable pain. Yep. He put it into song, and it just... Yeah. It was so powerful. I don't know if you know this, but at the public theater, it was crazy that this happened to at the public theater. I don't... It's it's public knowledge, so I, I really don't think I'm speaking out of turn. I, 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 You know what? I imagine that they would want me to share this with you at this time, you know, right at this moment. But when we were off-Broadway... The, the public theater is run by this magnanimous, generous soul by the name of Oscar Eustace, brilliant man. And he was so responsible for the early development of this show. He showed us such support and right away and like and gave the show his his brain, his genius and his contacts. And so we ran off Broadway for six months and. Right before we opened off Broadway, Oscar and his wife, their son, Jack, uh, their only son, committed suicide. And we were all stunned. And when I tell you Oscar and Lori, um, well, they'll tell you themselves, but, you know, it, the show became sort of like church for them. You know, it, was, it really was a bomb for them. And they, they came... Lori came, man, you know, a couple times a week. And, and we, the responsibility that we felt during that time to just give her some comfort and maybe some joy for a couple of moments out of the day was we, we really took it seriously. So I know the power of the show. You brought me joy. You brought me comfort. But I was not. Somebody should yeah. warn people and say there is a song, there is a scene that if you have lost a child, you need to prepare for because it it's almost otherworldly the way that it transports yeah. you to that place of grief. I mean, I, I, I left for the duration, the rest of the song, I came back and saw the end of the play. But then you know what it did? It put such a hunger in me to learn about the characters. Like I yeah. left there and I did, I dove deep. I did, oh 
hours of research on on the son, Philip, that he lost and on Alexander Hamilton and on the asshole that you played. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Mr. Burr, what a what a perfect name. He was a Burr. It's true. He was he was a notorious scoundrel. Yeah. Among other things. But yeah, he was a scoundrel. He was a scoundrel and you played him well. Like, Thank you is, so much. is there a bit of that scoundrel in you? Oh, sure. It's in all of us. Uh, <laughs> a friend of mine, it is. It's in all of us. A friend of mine said she's a lawyer and she said she spends it. Uh, she gave me this. We were at a bar. She had come to see the show early in rehearsal, early in previews on Broadway and went to a bar afterwards. And she's a lawyer. And she said, you know, um, I just love the characterization, you know, with you and Lynn. Um, I really want Chernow, too, who wrote that that uh, biography of Hamilton, which you guys have done. She said, because my life as a lawyer, I spend most of my time defending people for their worst act on their worst day. You know, wow. you imagine, you imagine that, you imagine that it's like we've all had them just like those moments. If if you just looked at that snapshot of the worst thing I've done on the worst day of my life and you boiled my whole life down to that moment, um, I think any of us could be painted as a scoundrel. Any of us could be painted as a villain. And so, um, you know, I'm not here to make a case for Bert. You know, <laughs> I, it is what it is. It is what it is. I love what what Alexander Hamilton himself wrote about Burr years before uh, the two were in the duel. He said, Burr loves nothing but himself. He is sanguine enough to hope everything, daring enough to try anything, wicked enough to scruple nothing. And the way you played the character, you nailed that. I don't know if you've ever heard that quote before, but you nailed that. You were the character that you played was sanguine enough to hope everything, daring enough to try anything and wicked enough to scruple nothing. (laughs) I'll take it. Listen, I, I think I had a real love for the guy and for the characterization, you know? Um, and I don't think I was the first, I think Lynn loved him first. You don't write a, you don't write a song like wait for it for a character or a song like dear Theodosia for a character that you don't love. And so I think that Lynn found his way to have compassion for him. And I found my way to birth through Lynn, of course. Burr loves nothing but himself, but Leslie mm. loves a whole lot of folks and a whole lot of things. So tell me, <laughs> tell me, that's a perfect segue here to tell me about the people that are closest to your heart. Oh, um, well, I'm talking to you outside because like everybody, you know, we're, we're taking this, or like most of us, we're taking this quarantine pretty seriously. So we got a, we got a full house inside right now is my wife as she, um, in the living room, is uh, doing a Zoom personal training session with her a dear friend of ours, but they do they've taken their you know their yoga and their fitness stuff to, to Zoom. So the the living room is is loud right now with that. My daughter is in the kitchen. My toddler, my three year old, is in there with my sister in law, and they are making what are they making? Um, a mess. They're, they're making, making a mess. mess. They're a making mess. a mess. You know it. They're making yeah, some it's kind a toddler. She's dessert. making a mess. Some kind of vegan treat in there. I have a granddaughter who's two, and my youngest son is four. 
And they have to FaceTime each other every morning now. That's their little tradition. So my daughter calls oh, me yeah, and then the two sweet. kids have to talk. And my poor daughter, Listen. all she does is go around all day long cleaning up the toddler's tornado. That's all she does. Oh, my it's, gosh. If you, if you have any room on that Zoom to add a, to add a little girl, let me know. Because that's where we're all trying to figure out, you know, how to keep these little people connected, um, occupied and connected, occupied and and growing still. You know, it's like we, we've all become part time preschool teachers. It's, you know. Oh, my gosh. If I have to listen to one more VeggieTales song, has your daughter discovered VeggieTales yet? We're not a VeggieTales house yet. We are. We are Daniel Tiger. We are Blue's Clues, Dora the Explorer. Those are the ones. And Word Party. Look up VeggieTales. VeggieTales okay. is it's it's singing and performing vegetables who have no arms and no legs, um, but they have trumpets and trombones and and silly songs with Larry and and with no arms and legs. They yeah. can play the trumpet and yeah. trombone. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's oh, yeah. quite ingenious. I and and I I I was introduced to VeggieTales because. My oldest child is probably older than you, and my youngest child is four. So I've been doing this, you know, mama bear thing for over four decades now. And my my older kids loved VeggieTales, and so I loved VeggieTales. And then VeggieTales reached out to me, and I got to be a character in one of their movies. I have like, I know, huh? I should have like won an award for it, like you won your award for Hamilton. Um, I had (laughs) like four lines. But I, I did them well. I played a little sour grape. Anyway, introduce your daughter to VeggieTales. Uh, and <laughs> I will do. We'll do it. You will walk around the house singing, Oh, where is my hairbrush? Oh, where is my hairbrush? Oh, where, 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 where is my hairbrush? You don't need a hairbrush. You don't have any hair. When when I make the my VeggieTales cover album, I will dedicate it to you because you introduced me to VeggieTales. Oh, Leslie, let me tell you. But speaking of music, better than a Where Is My Hairbrush, tell me about your Christmas album. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, you know, of all the things that I've done, I've done, I've been sort of busy, you know, since leaving Hamilton. I've done a lot of stuff. Sort of busy. Movies, albums, babies, sort of busy. But the thing that I hear about most often, right after Hamilton, of course, is this Christmas album that I made. I made a Christmas album a couple years ago, and I hear about it certainly at the holidays all the time. But it's 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 gotten me jobs. My Christmas album was was one of the things that Regina Regina said I heard that Christmas album, and I was like, that's Sam Cooke. So it so it being out in the space has done really wonderful things for for us, and people have embraced it. So. Um, COVID-19, like everybody else, caught us in the middle of something. Uh, you know, I was I was on tour for, I put out an original album, all original music called Mr. at the end of last year. And everybody told me, you can't just put out an album and expect people to find their way to it. You have to tour an album. You have to go around the country and kiss babies, shake hands. You, you, no, no, you no, 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 no. Leslie, Leslie, Leslie. All you have to do is call Delilah. <laughs> oh, baby. Well, thank you for having me. 200 cities in one <laughs> night. Bam. Bam. Your work is it took done. Me long enough. Yeah. Thank goodness. 
we had to we had to pivot. You know, the the tour got canceled, and I, you know, at, at, at first I wasn't, you know, I wasn't even concerned about that. I wanted to be home with my with my ladies and hold them close, and you know, we didn't know how close this virus was going to get to home, how serious it was going to be. So, so anyway, I was home, you know, just on lockdown for a few months, and then I'm two, three months into the thing, you're like, okay, what can I do? What can I make? And just fast forwarding a little bit, trying to imagine this Christmas, this Christmas, what people might be in need of, what people, um, how we could be of service. And we made this, this second Christmas album in many ways. We just hope it feels and sounds like a gift. You know, that that's our intention. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast. NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So what's your favorite song that you did on this one? Well, I wrote two original songs on this one. I wouldn't have even dared to attempt that on the first one, but it opens with an, a, a, a bop, as the kids call it. It's called Snow. Um, you know, for you to dance around the house while you're decorating the tree and putting your lights up. And then it closes with an original song called Heaven and Earth that really kind of, you know, I was in the delivery room for the birth of my daughter. And something I was thinking about in, in the delivery room, you know, when, you know, as you begin the craft of the father watching, um, if you're lucky enough, if you, you know, to, to be in the delivery room for the birth of a child, where every man is Joseph in the delivery room. You know, every man has that wonder and that awe and terror and elation, you know, all that stuff as we watch women do the most miraculous thing that most of us will ever witness on this planet. Um, so heaven and earth is about just, I try to put you back in that delivery room and really back in that barn, you know? So think about this. When you were in the delivery room with, you know, seeing your baby girl be born, 
There were doctors, nurses, midwives, doulas, technicians, oxygen tanks, all that at your disposal should problems arise. I often think about Joseph. It was just him, Mary, a few cows, some sheep. Yeah. And back then, men weren't even allowed near the women when they were having anything to do with, uh, you know, the monthly cycle or anything like that. And here he's Mm. thrust into the role of Mm. delivering the almighty. Yeah, I know. I mean, could you imagine he's in there? God, what if I drop him? (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Oh no. Somebody, is there anybody else out there that could come and give me a hand? That is, that is. Need a little help here. Um, Hello, people. I mean, without the, without the, the uh, support staff that I had, you know, I, I, I think there, there are similar things that I felt, you know, also, also, you know, my child not being the almighty, but, but just, yeah, a little life that, that, that. I believe comes from God, a little soul, a little spirit that I'm charged with. Um, and you're like, am I ready? Am I enough? Do I know enough? What if I drop her? What if, you know, all those things, that is what you're thinking. And, and my, I mean, my wife, man, oh my God, the respect that I had have for her after seeing her do something like that. It's just, yeah. There's no equivalent for men. There's, there is no equivalent in this life that we go through. That, you know, which you, you guys have to face your death. You have to face your death to bring life into the world. It's, it's astonishing. An astonishing paradox. And most of it, if most of us, if given the chance, would do it again and again. I mean. No. I was blessed to give birth to three and further blessed to adopt 12 and marry a man that had five. And if I could, mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. still be birthing babies because. Yeah. It's the greatest blessing in in my world, far above anything. Yeah. Nothing even comes close to being the joy giver to my heart that my kids are. Nothing. After that Hamilton, that you know, my wife and I were not planning on having children uh, anytime soon. You know, we have <laughs> but but after that, after that Hamilton thing and climbing that mountain and. You know, wrapping my arms around a childhood dream and a Tony Award and the Grammy Award and stuff, you know, and, and just just really that experience being so satisfying and satiating. It was like, well, what what mountain do we want to climb next? I mean, it was really the only it was the only next thing we could do because it, we, we knew we didn't want to just like continue after career aspirations. It's like, look, that was and, and, and my wife got to experience it right alongside me. So, you know, in many ways it was. You know, it was my victory was as much her victory, you know. So we decided to have a kid next. And you're absolutely right. It Everything else pales in comparison. It's all wonderful. It is all wonderful, the, the accolades and the, and the career stuff. But um, being a husband, being a dad is the most important job and, and my favorite job on the planet. All right. We're going to have to figure out how to Zoom the littles because I got I to gotta meet this little person of yours. <laughs> so tell me about One Night in Miami, opening Christmas Day. Yeah. Quite a a story you guys decided to tell. Yeah. One Night in Miami, uh, directed by 
Oscar winner, Emmy winner, Regina King, who's having quite a renaissance herself. Um, but she uh, found this play, you know, after the Oscar, Hollywood came to her and they said, you know, well, that's what happens after you win an Oscar. So what do you want to do next? What movie can we find for you? She said, I really want to direct something. And I said, what do you want to direct? And she said, well, I, I think I really want to direct a black love story. And um, I love that that's the start of this this movie, which she ended up finding was a story about friendship and brotherhood. Um, so that was her love story. But it's based on a true night. Cassius Clay, 1964, is going to fight then heavyweight champion uh, Sonny Liston uh, for the belt. Nobody expects Cassius to win this fight. So there's no victory party planned in Miami for Cassius. Uh, nobody expected Cassius to win except for Cassius. Except for Cassius. Uh, and so, right. <laughs> I love that. I yeah. I would much rather the whole world be against me when I go into a ring, when I go into battle. Mm. I don't want anybody to plan a victory party because I want to kick butt mm. and then say, told you so. That's what he does. That's what he did. Um, that's what he did. That's what he did. And uh, he spent the evening that night. His victory party was hanging out in a hotel room with three of his closest friends who just happened to be... Jim Brown, Malcolm X, and Sam Cooke. And we know the night happened. The, the men all spoke about the night. Um, but we know we also have confirmation of the night because the FBI, was the CIA, was following Malcolm and keeping copious notes on everything he did. And so uh, there are notes that are public record now about, about that evening. And nobody knows what, what went on in the room where it happened, as it were. Nobody knows what they talked about that night, but um, it became uh, this legendary night only in hindsight because it, within a year, Delilah, both Malcolm and Sam would be gone so suddenly and so violently. So you imagine you have a night like that. I, you know, when I tell people, it's like, you know, you imagine you have a, you know, you hang out with three of your pals and, you know, you guys have a night on the town, you know, and then God forbid, you know, you, if you've lost them with you know, everything, every interaction, you, you, you pour over those interactions, you pour over the last time you talked to them, the last meaningful conversation you had in hindsight, because you're like, you know, that's all you have left. And so that's what this film supposes what they might've talked about that night, all night long. And it's a very special movie getting a lot of attention, and I'm very, very proud of it. And you're Sam Cooke. I'm Sam Cooke in this film. Uh, cut me some slack because, this, I mean, it's Sam Cooke, greatest, one of the greatest voices oh, we were ever gifted. What a voice. Um, what a voice. What a voice. And what a soul, you know, and what an, what an iconoclast. And, I mean, he was just, he's the blueprint. So, um, uh, yeah, I play Sam Cooke. I do... Uh, I attempt to sing the Sam Cooke music in the film, and the hits are all in there. So it comes in select theaters, of course, if you're willing to go to a movie theater or drive-in theater. I saw, we, I saw it at the drive-in the top of this week, and it was I'd never been to a drive-in. It was a really fun time we had. And it comes to Amazon Prime January 15th, the top of next year, Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. It comes to your living room. So see it on Christmas or wait a couple weeks and see it in your living room. And it's called One Night in Miami. That's it. Now, before you go, one more thing we have to talk about, because okay. of, of all the projects you're involved with right now, this is the one that's closest to my heart. 
because six of my kids came to me. um, I adopted them out of the foster care system. And you are hosting something, CBS's A Home for the Holidays. Yeah. And I hope the entire world pays attention. Yeah, we're, um, Hamilton is this wonderful thing because it set a big old table for us. You know, a lot of people love this show and their, and that the love for the material gets transferred on to those of us that were lucky enough to be in the original cast. And so we're able to bring attention to causes and charities, charity work and stuff, you know, because the, these, all these people, they need to continue to do this necessary work, um, even in the middle of, you know, uh, of a shutdown. Right. Not so, only are there still kids in foster care, but the number of children uh, that now need services because the shutdown has caused such a jump in addictions, in uh, poverty, yeah. in suicide rates, and all the things that lead kids to be in the system in the first place. It's gone up exponentially now. Exponentially. Yeah. So I love this 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 thing that you're you're doing the show to bring awareness to kids in foster care. My pleasure. And if you ever, you know, if you ever want to, you know, a private little living room concert, you let me know because it's you. It sounds like you, you got your own thing going over there. You are, you know, changing the world over there all by yourself. So. Oh, trust me. It's not all (laughs) by myself. I, (laughs) I have many hands that have to help me, but Mm -hmm. With everything shut down in our country and all the stress going on, it seems like you are moving forward and moving forward with joy and with passion and with love. And I love that. We know how contagious this virus is. We know how easy it is to spread um, a literal virus. I think we're seeing how easy it is to spread hatred and derision around the country. That's also easy. And I think, you know, if you put your mind to it, you can spread joy, too. You can spread love. You can spread kindness. And I want to that's what I want to be about. In addition to wearing my mask and keeping the people that I uh, hold most dear safe as much as I can, I'm trying to spread some positivity out here. I believe that 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 love and joy and happiness and faith will always, always, always win. Will always win because because light casts out darkness. When you open a door, Leslie, at night and it's pitch black outside, the night doesn't sneak into your house. The light and the warmth mm. of your house goes out into the night. And mm. that's what you're doing. You're that light. You're a light on a hill. You're sharing that love and that joy in a world that's kind of dark right now and kind of scary. Thank you, Delilah. You too, by the way. Well, Merry Christmas, my friend. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the time. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Leslie Odom Jr. is so handsome, so talented. What a voice. I admire him so very much for putting his heart and soul into the very meaningful roles, all the roles that he takes on. He puts his heart and soul into Not just for the entertainment element, but because he has the ability to make you feel and make you think and touches you in deep emotional ways. Truly a great performer and such a wonderful man. His work is inspiring and provides us with an important lesson. When what we've become accustomed to as normal shifted in seismic waves, tilting our view of reality on its axis, we have to adapt. 
So many of my guests in the last several months have provided the same inspiration, John Bon Jovi, with his message of do what you can for king and country and their drummer boy drive-in concerts and their deep and abiding faith. Life this year has changed for all of us. It has changed for all of us, but I believe it is a wonderful time to be alive. There are so many beautiful things in the world to enjoy and celebrate. So many miracles. This Christmas season, there is no better time to remember and contemplate the fact that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What can you give? What can you give? the world. As we wrap up 2020 and head into a new year, please remember that you are important. You are needed. You are needed. Your life is a gift. If you're not living up to your potential, whatever you need to do, do it. Do it today. Do it tonight. And then be in service to others and love someone. Merry Christmas, my friends. I wish you a beautiful holiday and a very blessed new year. Delilah